Well, 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 this is the thing that I do where I have an intro music generally, <clears throat> but I increasingly think I'm changing the name of this from the Baratunde cast to The Confessional with Baratunde, and maybe some other people occasionally. That seems like a perfect title. Uh, the title of this episode is most certainly This is What South by Southwest Sounds Like. My voice has uh, <clears throat> me, 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 uh, gone through some changes since last we met our hero. And I am three days post Austin now. It's Saturday, the somethingeth of March, in the 13th year after the second turning of the millennial clock. I'm in New York City. I'm headed to brunch with some friends, but I want to give you a recap of Austin. This was my seventh year at South by Southwest, seven, seven, lucky number seven. Started going in March 2007, two days after joining Twitter. And uh, this year I had this intention that I would be really quiet in Austin and I would not stay in the heart of downtown. I wouldn't get a badge and I'd just kind of chill and like hang out in bars or on the street or at restaurants and run into friends. And that was not to be the case because it ended up being a good opportunity to launch more into cultivated wit. Uh, last year was a big year for me at South by Southwest. I did the opening keynote, and it was kind of a lot about me, Baratunde, and the book, How to Be Black, had just come out a month and a half prior to South by Southwest in 2012. This year was a similar opportunity to kind of launch and get exposure for and connect with around my company, Cultivated Wit. So me and my co-founders, Brian and Craig, all went down there, and uh, we had a great time. We hosted a big Whiskey Friday. It was really nice to do a transnational Whiskey Friday thing and uh, connect folks. We did, we did a joint Whiskey Friday with the Media Lab at a place called Ten Oak. And uh, Joey Ito, the director, and a bunch of folks showed up and friends I hadn't seen in a while from publishing, etc., etc. So whiskey was good. It's a great way to <clears throat> kick things off. I uh, did a, a brunch with GE which was all about innovation and where ideas come from and how people have pursued their path. Beth Comstock is their chief marketing officer. And we had uh, Damien Koulash, lead for OKGO. Okay uh, we had uh, the founder of Vimeo and Tumblr and this cool-ass designer named Carla Deanna and a, a reporter person from TechCrunch named Colleen. And we ate and we drank and we talked shit and it was wonderful. Uh, and they, they, did, they filmed us eating, which... Sounds like it could have been a terrible thing, but it actually turned out pretty well. Uh, I don't remember the links for these things, but you're uh, resourceful people if you're listening to this. Yeah, search for Brilliant Brunch SXSW, and you'll come across all kinds of clippage uh, and fun things. The focus of my formal presence there was uh, in Austin was doing the talk about what comedy can teach innovation or innovators, and I did a joint stage appearance with a guy named Paul Valerio works for this design firm called Method this was this was dope he basically interviewed me on stage and he had a theory that stand-up comics have a lot to say about getting things done especially being innovative and being cutting edge and pioneering uh, and so we talked a lot about you know the mechanics of stand-up and how that actually can help you think about running your business organization in a way that is maximizes innovation. Like you want to listen to the audience, but not too much. You want to have a strong point of view. We're not crowdsourced everything. Research can only go so far. 
trying things publicly and often, constantly iterating. This whole notion of like rapid prototyping and fast iteration, which is in vogue in the startup and tech communities, uh, has been, you know, the standard practice in stand-up. There is no good joke without trying it 10, 50, 500 times uh, in front of a live audience. The audience is part of the product. So we had a, a interesting time talking about that. And of course, I got asked about the onion and the tweet that shook a small slice of the digitally connected world. Uh, the Oscar tweet that the onion sent out uh, referencing Quivenjane Wallace as a cunt. And uh, I, had, I had choices of what questions to take. I chose to take this one because I knew a lot of people were wondering what I would think. And if I were a real dick right now, I would not even express my thoughts to you people. Um, I would just be like, yo, go find what I've said in some other form. But to, to keep it shorter, I mean, I think there's probably a whole episode just on that, but I don't want to make one of those things because that's not my life's function uh, to answer for former employers. That would be a weird role that all of us would be asked to play. Uh, but since I did bring it up, and since it was a, it's a part of the confessional, and since it, it did go down in Austin as a part of my South by Southwest recap, I will attempt to, uh, to, to address it in, in as brief a mode as possible. Uh, for those who, who don't know the background, you should probably Google it, but essentially The Onion was live tweeting the Oscars and said, you know, in their st- typical satirical, media satirical fashion, oh, Covington and Wallace, isn't she such a cunt? And uh, Twitter exploded, a big portion of Twitter exploded, not all of it. But it seemed like the majority of it that ex- was exposed to this tweet did, in fact, explode. And the onion ended up deleting the tweet, and then the next day issued a formal apology, which has never happened. And I found out because I was hit up. Um, I wasn't even paying attention to the Oscars, but I was hit up by people on Twitter who associate me with the onion, <clears throat> many of whom thought I still worked there. I haven't since May of 2012. Many of whom thought it was my job as a digital person there to stop these things or my job as a comedy person there or a decent person or a black person. <laughs> so I had all kinds of hats that people were putting on me uh, and assigning me duties to prevent things like this from happening. So my summary take is as follows. Not a great joke, not like innovative and cutting edge, uh, not essential, though I don't know that any joke is truly essential, uh, not racist, didn't think race had really anything to do with it, though I understood the interpretation, I think this was a consequence of, you know, the real-time environment, which is risky, mostly a consequence of swinging for the fences thousands of times and occasionally missing, also a consequence of addressing an audience and a community that you're not used to. And, you know, Onion basically hit up against, like, black Twitter and a bunch of other portions of Twitter, not just black people, but that was a significant portion of the volume that was really, really upset. And... uh, and so I think for an organization that is trying to push it, you occasionally push past the line, and that's part of the process. I think for the audience, it was you know jarring and shocking to have this reference to a, a girl in this you know sort of horrifically sexist term. Uh, I don't think the Onion was calling her that. I think they were channeling, you know, look, America's sweetheart is a terrible person. That was a joke, <laughs> and they chose extraordinary language. And you know, given that this was. The first time a little black girl had been up for this award, it struck a nerve. And you know those are part of the lumps that you take when you engage in this. Don't think anybody should lose their job over it. I don't think it 
means a huge, great deal about race relations. Don't think comedy is dead. I don't think Twitter is dead. But I do think it's an opportunity to consider speed and reaction, um, both in the production and the consumption side. And I think, you know, those who got super, what I found most fascinating, I don't know if this is the big lesson in general, what I found most fascinating were the people who uh, just were like, yo, this is horrible, you can't ever do this, you can't call a kid uh, this word, you can't call a black kid this word, it's never funny, it's never worth saying, and never's a strong word, and I, I'm not willing to say never. I think in this case, probably wasn't warranted, uh, but it, for me, doesn't destroy the institution, uh, doesn't mean they're evil people afoot, and doesn't mean people shouldn't do humor on the internet. Uh, it just does mean that we have to be, uh, we have to expect, you know, these moments uh, to happen and be able to recover from them. And that's the, the more interesting part uh, to me. So you can, you know, continue to debate amongst yourselves, but I wanted to kind of throw that out there for those who hadn't heard what I said. That's some of what I said. I probably have more thoughts, but I'm tired now. and I'm going to brunch, which is way more important to me at this moment. Others, South by Southwest highlights. Uh, I'm not going like hour by hour, but we at Cultivated Wit did a uh, joint event with Fast Company, a comedy hack day without the hacking, where we had people pitch absurd and funny business concepts. That was interesting. I thought Dennis Crowley from Foursquare was going to win. I did vote for him. He had Cat Stronaut, when your cat is annoying the shit out of you and you want to launch that cat into space when I was a space program just for your annoying cat. It did not win out, unfortunately. So uh, Chubby Chaser did. It's uh, For those of you who want to lose some pounds, you uh, launch this app, which emits a high frequency, which gets dogs to chase you, thus encouraging more physical activity. It's a ridiculous idea that we throw out there and people defend it. So there's that. Um, and then the, the highlight, highlight, from a giving back perspective, I had the chance to present an award, the Hall of Fame Award, for South by Southwest Interactive to Dana Boyd. And this was a real honor for me. Dana's one of the people that helped bring me to that community, helped hook me up and introduce me to people. She's opened a lot of doors, and I think what she does for the tech world is really important. Uh, Dana's a researcher at Microsoft. She has a PhD in all kinds of fancy things. Her specialty is how teenagers use the internet to be social. And she has acted as diffuser of uh, hysteria about kids and sex crimes online. She has acted as translator. She has acted as spokesperson for underprivileged, for poor kids, for LGBT kids, for black kids, and really pointing out the role of race and class and gender and sexual preference uh, and sexuality in these spaces and how they play out and, and the role of privacy and agency. And she really does speak truth to the people building these tools. And so it was really fun uh, for me to be able to kind of blow up, blow her up a little bit. And I cast the net with, with this I love Dana hashtag. Some of you may have seen that D-A-N-A-H, I love Dana, uh, for people out there expressing what they thought she offered uh, in addition to an amazingly curious and loving personality and funky sense of fashion, this uh, really important role that I think she plays as we build this future to make sure we bring everybody with us and pay maximum attention uh, to all voices. And one of the lessons I think she brings to that, especially the social game, it's like, it's not enough to build a tool that works for you and then fling it onto the world. You really have a responsibility to consider 
all the people using it, the revolutionaries, the, the introverts, the abused kids uh, and spouses, and really not impose your value set on them in the way you design the tools. Uh, there's a better way. And Dana helped show that to us. So there's a little earnest moment. Um, uh, you can check out that. I think that hashtag's probably still available for searching. And I'm sure there are photos of Dana with the award and maybe some video as well. So I'm back uh, in New York now. I'll be around for a few weeks. And then uh, coming up is ComedyHackDay.org. You guys want to visit ComedyHackDay.org. We're doing the next major event. This is a Cultivated Wit production. Twitter is hosting it August 6th and 7th in San Francisco. We got Will Wright as a judge, y'all. Creator of SimCity and many other amazing games. And we will be there. I'll be out in San Francisco March 29th to April 8th. Uh, available for meetings, brunches, and whiskey. I hope you're doing wonderfully. This has been The Confessional. I am, was, and shall remain Baratunde. Thanks, y'all.